0: let it be done to me for years when we used Latin as our primary language throughout the world fiat was what she was saying fiat voluntatis tui let it be done to me according to your word your will that's Mary's response to the angelos the messenger of God A few words here might be interesting to look at from Isaiah when Isaiah is challenging Ahaz the king see the problem is the kings of Israel weren't a good bunch they 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 had David as their leader and the first king and from there on in they went downhill they were dip- diplomatically and politically inappropriate as r- rulers of the house of Israel they Politically, got involved with other religions and other nations, sometimes av- even spoiling the temple sanctuary by putting the cha- statues or altars of false gods in the tabernacle, in the, in the holy temple. And at this point, you have Ahaz, who is affiliated with Jezebel famous woman in the scripture. And he is about to make alliances with Syrians because he's afraid that the neighboring nations are going to come in and attack him. So Isaiah and the prophet's role was always to keep the, the people and the kings on track. So Isaiah comes to him and says, basically, you can't do that God will be with you. God is your number one dependable source. God is the only one you really can hold on to. He's the rock of our faith. It sounds like he's talking to us today. But all the possibilities, all the political intrigue, put it aside. God will be with you. And as a matter of fact, Isaiah says, ask God for a sign. and He'll give you whatever you want. And in his false humility, Ahaz says, oh, who am I to, to tempt God? I'm not going to ask God for a sign. It wasn't, it wasn't humility. It was narcissism. Like he, he had a contact with God, straightforward. So Isaiah says to him, okay, listen. Ask God for a sign, any sign. Ahaz says, no, I'll give you a sign. And he points to one of the women in his court And not unusual, there were many women who were betrothed to him or possibly lined up to be engaged to him or eventually be his wife. And he points to one that is unmarried, an Alma, unmarried young girl. And Isaiah says, she will bear a son and you'll give him a name, Emmanuel, the name which means God is with us. Now he's responding to Ahaz's false faith by saying, I have the, the insight from God, you're going to name, you're going to, this kid will have a, a child, even before you marry her, and the name of the kid is going to be God with us. The whole message is there. The whole message. God is always with us. You've got to depend on him. Now, centuries go by, this happened about 600 years before Christ, centuries go by, and different translations of the scriptures become popular. The original Aramaic referred to the Alma, the young girl in the court. Eventually, that's translated by, among other people, St. Jerome, and he translates Alma into another word, Parthenos, which is Greek. And then later on from the Greek, it's translated, again, the whole concept is always young maiden to virgine. And a young girl is a virgin. And then it takes place when Matthew starts writing his gospel, he says, interesting, he didn't say that to himself, Trevor said it to himself, interesting how Isaiah pointed out the maiden, through the centuries, the word was translated into Parthenos, into the Greek, and then from the Greek into the Latin. But Matthew looks at it and says, wait a minute. That's how Mary had conceived a son. Not out of, out of a threat or not out of a bargain with God. The Angelos, the messenger of God, came to Mary, who was a Parthenos, an Alma, and a Virgin." One, one person, various words. And that's how Jesus was born, by Mary the Virgin, Mary the Virgin. Young girl, probably 15, which was the typical marrying age in that period of time. And she was betrothed, kind of engagement, but not living together with Joseph. And the angel responds to the messenger Now, the messenger could have come to Mary in her dream, in person, as a vision. I don't know. I wasn't there. But the Angelos is a messenger of God. And Mary does something very, very responsive. Are you kidding me? I've never been with a man. I'm betrothed, but never been with a man, never had relations with a man. Don't worry about it. God will take care of you. That's the key for us. Then the angel gives her the message about her cousin who was barren, and in those days to be barren was like a family curse. Your cousin who was barren is now in her sixth month. And the key for us today is nothing is impossible for God. And our response each day should be fiat. Let it be done to me as you say. Let God's word sink into us, fiat, and let it be what guides us and we hear the echo of the angel talking about the cousin nothing is impossible for god god's not a mechanic god's not a genie god is the soul of our faith and when we say i am offering a prayer like today we will will pray for healing at the sacrament of anointing it's not going to be magic You're not automatically going to be healed, or those for whom we pray are not automatically healed. So what does it mean that nothing is impossible for God? If nothing is impossible for God, when I pray for something, I should get it. No, because we're not operating on God's calendar. We're operating on our own calendar when we say that. Mary was operating on her calendar for a few moments during that dialogue, but then realized, let it be done to me according to your word, God's calendar, God's timeline. And you know the rest of the story in Bethlehem. This gospel historically takes place, of course, in what we call the Annunciation. Traditionally, it's a March date before the birth comes in December. Our word for the day is one, simple, but strong. Fiat. Not the car, but the will of God. Fiat voluntatis tuae.